0: Welcome to the Managing Miscarriage podcast. I am Melissa Whitman, founder of the nonprofit One Generation and our current initiative, Managing Miscarriage. We help women through the heartbreak of miscarriage and as a nonprofit, we run completely on donations. Our services help thousands of women, so please support us by donating through our website, managingmiscarriage.com. Thank you for tuning in. I'm here today with Kayla who had a miscarriage at almost 11 weeks along that she passed naturally and it happened just before Mother's Day. Kayla, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me, Melissa. So take me back to when you found out you were pregnant.
1: Sure. So it came really out of the blue for my husband and me. Um, We hadn't been trying at all and so it was a surprise to say the least. but we have been married for almost two years and we have a very stable relationship. And so, although it was shocking at first, we were really grateful um, because we realized that a lot of people struggle to get pregnant and we saw it as a blessing and felt that if it was this time for the little soul to come into the world and meet us, that we'd be ready. Um, So I found out pretty early on in my pregnancy um, I got pregnant the end of February, didn't know because I wasn't tracking my cycles or anything like that, but just felt a little bit different that month Okay. and decided to go and take a test. And um, it came back positive. And I started out with those um, those drugstore, the cheap brand. Tests. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I took two of those. And at first, I didn't see a line at all. And so I just thought, it's my mind playing tricks on me. I'm not pregnant at all. And then I finally told my husband, I just feel like I'm pregnant. So I'm going to go back and get the expensive digitals <laughs> that tell me one way or the other. So we went back and got one of those and it came back positive. And I said, oh, it's definitely a fluke. Um, and I took the second one and it came back positive. And my husband was on the other side of our living room. And I said, you might want to come look at this. Uh, I think we're pregnant for sure. So we had a moment of, of shock and uh but we were really happy about it and and felt like it was the next step in our journey together.
0: And about how far along were you at that point?
1: I would have been about two and a half weeks when
0: I found out. So I was pretty
1: early on. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely still early. Okay. So then what? Uh, So I called my doctor that next morning. It was a Sunday night when I had gotten the positive test. And so that Monday I immediately called and um, this had been my first go around, so I didn't realize that they generally wait until you're eight weeks to see you for the first time.
0: If you're lucky, sometimes you're right. it's 10 12, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, so I called right away and they said, well, how far along do you think you are based on your last period? And I said, well, uh, you know, I, I think I had my last period sometime, sometime around Valentine's day. So they said that, uh, that I should come in around the eight week mark. Uh, or what I thought was eight weeks. And so we made that appointment and we decided not to tell our family or friends um, until we went in for that first appointment. And we waited, um, went in for that first appointment where I thought I was going to be eight weeks. And we went in for the first ultrasound and the tech didn't say anything at all. Uh, And so I was very nervous (laughs) because uh, right from the beginning, I had some anxiety about the pregnancy, not, not the fact that I was going to have a baby, but I just felt like there was something wrong. And I didn't really have a reason to believe that because I never experienced pregnancy before, so I didn't have anything to compare it to. Um, and obviously, you can go online and Google can be your worst enemy and tell you all the things you should be experiencing. But it was just something different that I, it's still hard for me to describe to this day. I, I felt just uneasy about it. Um, I felt like something was wrong. And so I was very anxious to get that first ultrasound and the tech didn't say anything. So immediately I thought that my worst fears were confirmed and I was really worried about it. And I finally said, "Is, is there a heartbeat? And I was almost in tears because I was worried that she was going to give me some bad news. And she said, oh, there's a heartbeat and there's a baby. And she said, you're actually measuring about six weeks along, not eight. But of course, I wasn't tracking, and I didn't know anything back then about my ovulation time or anything like that.
0: Right. And so it's plausible.
1: Yeah. So it, it definitely could have been the case. And I said, okay. And she said, the heartbeat's slow, but you're six weeks, two days, and the heart probably just started beating. And when it starts to beat, it's getting in the rhythm. It's trying to figure out what to do. And so it's normal for it to be slow. So after I met with them and got my first ultrasound pictures of my little, my little bean, that we affectionately named Tadpole. Um, That's what it looked like in the first picture. And I saw my OBGYN and she said, everything looks good. I'm not alarmed. You're just probably ovulated later than you thought. And so come back in two weeks and we'll do another ultrasound. So I came back two weeks later and it was two weeks of anxiety. And uh, I was just praying the whole time, please let everything be okay. And the whole time- I was, I was anxious. Yeah. Um, any I, physical symptoms? I had had some kind of a continuation of my PMS symptoms. Okay. Um, and that's why I thought I might be pregnant in the first place because for me, generally I would have the symptoms then I would have my menstrual cycle and the symptoms would go away. But when I was pregnant, they didn't go away. And so that's what kind of triggered for me to take a test. Um, and I was just kind of feeling those symptoms. I didn't have morning sickness. I could feel the drop in my blood sugar if I didn't eat, which was new for me. Um, And so I felt things like that. I felt a little more fatigued than usual, kind of periods where I felt a little queasy, but nothing that screamed to me pregnancy symptom. And I brought that up to my OB at, at my first appointment at six weeks, just, you know, is everything okay? Because I know that sometimes People experience certain symptoms. Sometimes they don't, and it's not indicative of an unhealthy pregnancy. But I just want to be sure. And she said, "No, you're you're probably just one of the lucky ones that doesn't have many symptoms." And so I took her advice and just waited for the eight week appointment. Um, and so at eight weeks, we went back, had another ultrasound, and immediately I told that tech, "Please talk to me. Please tell me what's going on, um, good or bad. I need to know." And so she was very nice and she told me there's a strong heartbeat and it was at 160 right where it should be and we saw a baby on the screen and sometimes when you see the ultrasound images they look sort of alien-esque I guess you can't really make out the head or the hands or anything but our picture is very clear you can see a a baby's head and arms and uh, you can see the profile and so everything was good and My OBGYN said, everything looks absolutely perfect. And I was still a little bit anxious at that point and was looking for some reassurance. And she said, you know, of course there are no guarantees, but as far as I can tell right now, you're having a perfect pregnancy. So when I left her office that day, I felt as good about it as I could um, and just sort of felt like, you know, I was anxious at the beginning, but this was my sign that everything was going to be okay.
0: Okay. So absolutely no indication whatsoever, other than it still being a little bit behind what you had originally calculated, but like you said, you weren't really keeping track.
1: Right. So nothing else. And, um, and she felt that it was a really positive sign that it had grown exactly two weeks Mm -hmm. from that last appointment. So the growth was right on track. Okay. And then what? So the next appointment would have been scheduled for 12 weeks. Okay. And so in the meantime, we still decided not to tell our families until Mother's Day, which would have been right around the 11-week mark for me. I would have been 11 weeks along on Mother's Day. So we thought that was close enough to the end of the first trimester to tell people. Um, And we weren't going to make a big social media announcement or anything, but we wanted to let our families know. Some of our friends did find out ahead of time because They had an inkling that something might be up and they asked me about it and I wasn't going to deny it. So they knew, but they kept it quiet and we were just waiting to tell our families. So our plan was to send my family because they live states away. We were going to send them a package with our pregnancy announcement in it. And then for my husband's family, they only live four hours away. So we were going to go up and visit them on Mother's Day weekend and tell them the news in person so we could have the excitement of that in-person reveal. So everything was progressing as normal, didn't have any different symptoms, no cause for alarm. And so that weekend before Mother's Day, I sent out the packages to my family members with our pregnancy announcement and a picture of the ultrasound that we had had at eight weeks. And... Of course, none of my family members waited to open their packages until Mother's Day. So the, <laughs> the Friday before Mother's Day, I got the calls after work of, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, You will never believe what we got in the mail and just excitement. And we celebrated and, you know, had to recount the story to everyone about how much anxiety there was in the beginning, but everything was looking perfect. And we were so excited. And so we were just gearing up to go visit my in-laws that Sunday um And tell them the news in person. So we were excited about that. Um, and I guess when things changed. Um, so that Friday was when my family members had found out. And we were celebrating with them. And late that night I had been texting my sister about it. And telling her the news. And we probably finished texting about 11.30 p.m. on that Friday before Mother's Day. And just as we finished texting, I I felt like I needed to go to the bathroom. I wasn't having really intense cramping or anything, just had an urge to go to the bathroom. And so I did that. And when I went in, um, I saw a little bit of blood when I wiped. And I was immediately alarmed because I hadn't had any bleeding in my pregnancy. And I knew what bleeding could signal in a pregnancy. Yeah. So... I told my husband I'm going to go lie down for a second and just see what happens um, and so I went and laid down in the bed and the minute I laid down I felt a gush of fluid um, and I ran immediately got up I ran into the bathroom and there was blood everywhere. Um, wow but still no cramping? There was there was slight cramping as okay. the blood started coming but when I was in the bed, there really wasn't any cramping. But when I got up and I saw the blood, that's when I started to, to feel the cramps. Right. And then what? Um, so I remember just pulling down my pajamas and my pajama bottoms were covered in blood, and I remember just Aww. sobbing because I knew um, I knew at that point, and I know other people who've been on your podcast have kind of described that feeling of betrayal that your yes. body is doing something that you can't control. Yes, yeah. And I just knew, you know, my heart was saying, save the baby and my body was saying it's not going to happen. Um, so my husband, of course, ran in and he saw it and he was trying so hard to be strong for me and just said, OK, what do you think we need to do? Do we need to go to the ER? And and I said, I just want to wait a while. I I knew my mama's heart knew what had happened and what was in the process of happening but I just wasn't ready for someone else to confirm it. I just wanted to stay in that happy place for a little while longer of feeling like I had a healthy baby. Yeah. Um, so I just decided to lay down in bed for a little while and just sort of monitor my symptoms, monitor my bleeding and see how I felt. And probably about 2 a.m. Um, on that Saturday morning, we finally decided just to go to the ER because I had had a lot of blood loss and I wasn't sure what was normal. Um, and I wanted to make sure that nothing had ruptured or that something more serious wasn't going on. So we decided to go to the ER and when we got there, everyone was very blase about it. I went in, um, they said, well, we'll get you back. Just sit, sit tight for a second. And, I was very emotional, um, and I was still bleeding a lot, so it was hard to contain the bleeding while I was sitting there waiting to be seen. And they brought me back and uh, took my vitals, and then we finally got to see the ER doctor, and he basically walked in and said, this happens all the time. There's nothing I can do. Go home. They didn't do an ultrasound or anything? He didn't do an ultrasound initially. He just told me, yep, you're... You're definitely miscarrying, just go home. And that was as much compassion as he showed in that moment. Oh, no. um, and thankfully, my husband stepped up and said, You know, we need an ultrasound. We need to know before we leave here that it's definitively over, you know, and that we, we have lost the baby. And he, the doctor was kind of combative with us and said, Well, it isn't going to change anything. And we said, we know, but we need to have an answer when we leave tonight. So we uh, pushed for the ultrasound and he said he would um, he would grant us an ultrasound, even though we had to understand that it wasn't going to change the outcome. And, and we agreed. Um, so they came and took my blood. And then it was probably about 45 minutes after that, before we could get back into the ultrasound room. And so in the meantime, I'm laying in the ER and I'm bleeding a lot. And I could just, when I would shift my body, I could see the blood underneath me. Um, So I knew, you know, I knew what my heart already knew that night at home, that something wasn't, wasn't right and that I had lost the baby. But I was just waiting for that medical confirmation. So finally, the ultrasound tech came back to get me and she told me that my husband couldn't be with me during the ultrasound, which is really hard because he had been there for all of my OBGYN ultrasounds. And they never had an objection then, but she just told me for whatever reason, it was protocol for him not to be there. It's peculiar. Very strange. So, (laughs) um, so they wheeled me to the other end of the hospital. She basically, the ultrasound tech basically gave me a, a washcloth and told me, go clean yourself up and, and be ready for me to do the exam. So I'm in the bathroom and when I was at home, I had passed several large clots of tissue. Um, And then when I got into the ultrasound room, I was passing more tissue. And so I was in the bathroom back there and there was a lot of blood and I was basically just crying and trying to clean it up as best I could by myself. Um, Then finally I was cleaned up enough to to go into the ultrasound itself. And so I walked back in the room and um, she did the exam and I was crying the whole time and the ultrasound tech didn't say one word to me the whole time. And I just remember hearing the clicking of uh, of the ultrasound machine as she took the pictures of what was happening inside my body. And then the clicking stopped and she said, you're done. And I got up and went back to the bathroom um, clean myself up, and drew me back into the exam room where my husband was waiting. And I, I remember we just ran into each other's arms and just sobbed um, because because we knew. And it was just a, just an awful experience.
0: It's such an awful experience. And then to have no compassion from the doctors and staff, that's hard. that's that makes it just exponentially harder.
1: Sure. So of course the ultrasound tech couldn't give us a medical diagnosis per se. We had to wait for the doctor to come back. And by that time we were just ready to go home, but we had already been there for over an hour. So we decided to wait for him to come back and tell us whatever he could. And so he came back in and he just confirmed what we already knew and what he had told us that I Had miscarried or that I was in the process of miscarrying. He didn't give me many details about what they saw on the ultrasound other than what I had feared was correct that I had miscarried. And he made some joke about, you know, in 10 years you'll have seven kids and you won't even think about this anymore. Um, Oh, okay. And so, you know, we walked out of there not only sad, but just offended. You know, that this was, to him, it was just a chart and it was just somebody else having a miscarriage. But to us, this was our baby. And I walked out of there not only sad for our experience, but just thinking about some poor woman who would go in there without the support system that I had and be faced with that scary experience and have someone treat her like that. And I just thought there has to be something I can do to prevent this from happening to someone else like this. Right. Um, and so we, we went back home, and that was early in the morning hours of that Saturday. So we just laid in bed for a few hours, and then we uh, called our families and told them the news. And so for my family, it was, of course, shocking because less than 24 hours before, we had been celebrating this healthy baby. Um, And now we were telling them about our loss. And for my in-laws, it was even more shocking because my husband had to call them and tell them not only were we pregnant, but now we're not. So it was very emotional and we had planned to go visit them for Mother's Day. Um, And then, of course, they, they assumed, you know, well, you're definitely not coming because She's recovering from the miscarriage and you're not emotionally ready enough to go anywhere or do anything. But so we spent most of the day before Mother's Day just laying in bed and just looking at each other and crying and just trying to talk through it as best we could and process it together. And finally, I, I looked at my husband and I said, we can't just sit here like this. We have to go somewhere. We have to be surrounded by people who care about us that might be able to help us through this. And so we we packed up and we drove four hours to my in-law's house for Mother's Day and surprised my mother-in-law for Mother's Day just so we could be near them. And and it really did help Um, in those hours after just to know that we had a community of people surrounding us. And even in the midst of that sadness made us feel so grateful that we had a community to support us and rally around us.
0: Good for you, because I know you do just want to lay there. Alone, So that's really great. And what was going on physically during this time? Did did everything pass? How
1: was the cramping? When did it let up? So I think most of the tissue had passed by the time um, I got back from the ER. So there was bleeding after that, and I passed small amounts of tissue at home. Um, And the bleeding itself lasted for about two weeks after the miscarriage. and I had cramping associated with that. Probably the first three days after the miscarriage, the cramping was most intense. I would get sort of shooting cramps uh, that would usually be accompanied by passing of whatever tissue was remaining or um, or what else was, was left. Um, and then that kind of subsided and the bleeding continued. So, I ended up taking one day off of work just to go to my doctor's appointment and follow up and make sure that everything was passing naturally, which they said that it was. And then after that, my employers were really generous and told me that I could take all the time that I needed to process. But my personal choice in going back was just that I knew that life had to continue and there never would be an easy time for me to go back. Um, but I felt like physically I was strong enough and I, I wanted to get back into a normal routine and start to feel as much myself as I could um, as soon as I could. So I decided to go back and, um, and I had a follow-up appointment. Everything was good. And so we just tried to continue life as, as normal as we could after that.
0: And how has it been since? So you really—it sounds like you made an effort to get back to things, which is amazing. Again, you've definitely a theme I'm hearing is that you've been proactive to keep yourself engaged with with the commu- with your community, and with the world, which is really great. Um, but it's been a couple months, so how how has that been? Sure,
1: um, I think for me the theme of This whole experience has been just learning to take it day by day. And that's not something that comes easily to me at all because I'm a planner and I like to be ready for everything. I like to feel in control. And miscarriage is the total opposite of (laughs) all that. Um, And I'm really learning how to be patient with myself, how to give myself a little bit of grace. And as much as I wish that my miscarriage had never happened, I think just with my personality type, it might've taken me 30 more years to start that process if I hadn't been given this season to slow down and have no other choice, but to slow down and take it day by day. Um, and so I won't lie to your listeners and say that every day has been great and roses and I've powered through it. Some days have been really, really hard. And some days all you can do is just get out of bed. And that feels like the most heroic thing that you can do. Yes. Um, and that is 100% okay. And so I just want to say to any person who's listening right now, if that's all you can do, you do it. And you be proud of yourself for doing it because it's the bravest thing that you can do that day. Um, but I will say that something beautiful that's come out of this experience is the way that my husband and I have grown together. Um, you know, I, I said that we haven't been married that long. We've only been married about two years. And this is the first significant trial that we've gone through together, the first significant loss that we've processed together. And when you're dating or when you're engaged or even newly married, you know, I remember looking at my husband and, and hoping and praying that we could be the kind of people for each other that when things got tough, that we'd be able to support each other. And when that rain came, that we'd be able to stand there together and withstand whatever came our way. And I feel like the past three months we've been standing in the rain and I look at him now and there's no one else I'd rather be with and there's no one else I'd rather have by my side. And so I feel like after this three months of going through all these emotions and it being a day by day process, I'm finally starting to see that sun peek through and I'm just so grateful that we get to see the sun come up together.
0: You painted such a beautiful picture <laughs> with that. That's really wonderful. It is. And I think that's a a common thing that I experience and also that I heard. And it's great that you're able to recognize that even so soon after.
1: Yeah, I remember when I was laying in the bed in the ER waiting to be seen by the ultrasound tech and I just grabbed my husband's hand and I looked him in the eye and I said, if there's any purpose in all of this, I want it to make us better people. And I want it to make us a stronger couple. And we are both very aware that a tragedy can either bring people together or tear them apart. And so we knew that we had to be very intentional with each other in the way that we communicated um, because men and women do often grieve this process differently. Yes, for women, it's more physical. And a lot of times for fathers, it doesn't become real until they hold that baby in their arms when it's born. And they didn't have that experience when you have a miscarriage. So uh, we knew that we would probably grieve differently. And we've been trying to be as gentle as we can with each other through that process and just communicate. You know, if I feel like my grief is isolating, I'm very open with him. And I tell him I'm having a hard day today. You know, it's all I can do to get up today, and I just need a hug, or I just need you to listen. Um, you know, and if if he's processing things, you know, he's naturally a more reserved person than I am. So sometimes I don't know what he's going through, and so I found that me opening up to him um, has kind of invited him to open up with me in a whole new way, and has made us be vulnerable with each other in a way that we hadn't been before, and that level of emotional vulnerability is like none that we've experienced before and has brought us closer together as a couple. So I guess just what I want to say in closing is if if there's any advice to be had for someone who's going through this right now is that I want you to know that everyone walks this journey differently and there's no one right way to grieve or one right way to walk through this. But if you're listening, I just want you to know that you're so brave. Um, I feel like the best analogy I can come up with is that the day I had my miscarriage, I took a really deep breath and I dove underwater. um, And I've been holding my breath since then. And I feel like that's what grief is, is just taking a deep breath and just holding it. And you have to find ways to learn to exhale and learn how to get back into some sort of rhythm and your life will never be the same. Um, But I feel like those days when you feel like you're coming to the surface, um, those days where you feel that urge to rise, even if everything's pulling you back down and, you know, you get an invitation to a baby shower or you hear that another friend is having a baby and her pregnancy is going well and it, it kind of strikes those conflicting emotions in you because you want to be happy for them, but you're still grieving. I just want you to know that you're brave for even having those emotions and working through them and for continuing to try to rise because it's so hard and nothing prepares you for how hard it's going to be until you're actually in it. Um, And it can feel like you're drowning. But there is hope and there are people who've gone through it. This podcast is, um, you know, is a reminder of that, that you're not alone. And there are people that even people you don't know who are supporting you and sending you love from all over the world that are walking this journey with you in different ways. And so whatever you can muster to do today, whether it's just getting out of bed, whether it's just listening to this podcast. I just want you to know that you're so brave and you're so loved by someone who hasn't even met you because I'm just amazed by your strength and your vulnerability and your courage.
0: I don't think there's anything better I can possibly say after that, so I'm going to leave it right there. Kayla, thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Melissa.